Welcome to the show. This is Zero Waste Trash Talk. My name is Maris Macellis. I'm Michael Britt. And that's Michael Britt. And today we are going to talk about the Nashville Food Co-op with Ellery Richardson. Yay! Welcome, Ellery. Thanks for having me. I don't know too much about co-ops, food co-ops, but I'm really excited to learn. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Ellery? Um, we were just chatting about how you kind of grew up between here and Chattanooga. Yes, yes. So my dad grew up in East Nashville um, back before it was cool. Um, but when we were young, he got transferred to Chattanooga with his job. So I actually grew up in Chattanooga, but then in high school, he moved us back. So... They live in Brentwood right now, but I've claimed sort of both cities as my own. Um, went to Vanderbilt, then decided I wanted to do environmental issues. And so yes. I went up to Vermont for to go to law school at Vermont Law School because they are known as an environmental, for their environmental policy law program. Nice. And that's actually where I discovered food co-ops. And then I came back here and was shocked that Nashville didn't have one. Well, I'm originally from New Jersey and I have a lot of family from the Northeast. So, but in Vermont is a special place. It's, it's definitely its own place. How long were you in Vermont? Um, so just three years. Um, but I remember my first year they opened, the governor allowed the first McDonald's to come into the state. And it was like super controversial because Vermont is, you know, very pro-local, no chains. Yeah. And the only way they were allowed to come in is because they promised to use Vermont maple syrup in their breakfasts. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Okay, I just, yeah. I just remember that because it was a big deal. <laughs> what part of Vermont was your law school in? So my law school was in a tiny town called South Royalton. It's about 2,000 people. Um, it is maybe 20 minutes from the New Hampshire border where mm -hmm. Hanover is. Mm -hmm. um, Woodstock is more of a touristy town nearby that people may have heard of, but sort of <laughs> central Vermont. And I was complete um, culture shock living in Tennessee my whole life <laughs> to move up there with all the snow and um, the land of Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. I bet. Although, you know, coming from East Nashville, even though it wasn't cool, it still was a it wasn't it's not backwoods and chattanooga although chattanooga is becoming what nashville is now or five years ago right is that what chattanooga is right now do you keep yeah. missing the waves of where the cities get cool <laughs> i think so <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i keep looking at chattanooga thinking that's a neat place i'd like to spend more time there right, oh, me too. i love going back it's a great spot it's just small and very outdoorsy so if love that's that. what you right. like go mm -hmm. down there so let's let's talk about the the so you're trying to start up a co-op and, and like Maris is saying, why don't you give us a definition of what a co-op is for people who don't quite understand it? Okay, so the co a cooperative is a business structure, just like a nonprofit or an LLC or a corporation. Um, but what makes it unique is that it's owned by the people who benefit from it. So I guess the best way to explain it to people who haven't heard of it is the owners, the members are the shareholders, but no one can have any more shares than anyone else. So it's very democratically owned. 
Cool. And that's sort of the basis of it. No one can buy extra interest. It's all, we're all in this together. One person, one vote. Mm-hmm. And you join so because you care about the mission and want to be involved in what is happening. Um, there are a lot of different types of co-ops. Credit unions are cooperatives. And a lot of people are familiar with those. Um, a lot of electric co-ops um, and farmers co-ops. You know, the Davidson County Farmers Co-op is a farmer-facing co-op. Then there are consumer co-ops and grocery co-ops are consumer cooperatives. I'm glad you explained it like that because I, I, in my head, I was confused a little bit as far as how, like I know Publix is an employee-owned grocery store, but people can have more shares and the, the board can have more shares. And and so that's where uh, a co-op is going to be a little more equal. Everyone is equal. Yeah, I like that. Yes, mm-hmm. Whole Foods is no longer a co-op, but they actually started off as a small co-op. Bummer. Um, I think it was Austin, maybe somewhere in Texas. I might not yeah. have Austin the city was, right. Austin was the first one. I think Dallas was the second one. I lived near the second Whole Foods. I used to get my oat, oat really? fresh from the bakery. They would make oat uh, pizza crusts. Okay, I go you on told Tuesdays. Me that once, I feel like yeah, it's still part of. I still miss that. Ten dollars for two pizza crusts, yeah. fresh made in the bakery, back in the eighties. Yeah, sounds 80s. great. Yeah, it was nice. So. Um, the word co-op, a lot of people, like, it's funny to, to a lot of us, I think, oh, cool, food co-op, there's, the food's going to be healthier, locally sourced, you know, and it's, it's going to be a nice neighborhood, maybe a little hippie vibe kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But there's so many people that have a negative, like, uh, 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 negative, uh, I don't know what it is, feeling towards the word co-op. I had I'd read this article about uh, how in the farm country, they don't really have grocery stores. They're feeding us, and the grocery store chains bought everything up and then closed the underperforming ones. And mm. people in these farming communities are having to go to 99-cent stores to get their food, which is ridiculous. What? Yeah. And so there was a movement to start co-ops, but everyone thinks co-ops are, no, that's socialism. That's not anything we want to be part of. <sighs> and so they actually, this whole article in the New York Times about how they had to call it, they couldn't call them co-ops. They just had to call them something else. I forgot what they, what really? they were saying. They changed so the name, silly. but it's it just a matter of semantics. And sometimes in the South and the yeah. Midwest, you have to play these kind of semantic games. But uh, have you it's run into that here? Much. Have people said, oh, we don't want to be part of a co-op, communist co-op or anything like that? Um, actually, no, because most people have never really heard of co-ops in Nashville. Hmm. What the, Like me. The, the response <laughs> I get is, well, what's a grocery co-op? Um, but it is really interesting. A lot of the ones I'm part of a group of, I mean, it's a loose association of, you know, co-ops that are starting across the country. And a lot of them don't call themselves the X city food co-op. They call themselves, you know, X market or X store. And they don't really broadcast that they're a co-op, even though once you like get on their webpage, that's obviously what they are. There's mm-hmm. one food co-op in Tennessee. It's in Knoxville. It's the Three Rivers Market, and it's an amazing co-op. And if you're ever up there, I encourage you to stop by. Um, so is it but like yeah, open Nashville, all the time? Is it like is it, it is. a daily thing? Yes, like it's a full-service grocery store, open seven days a week. I they see actually pictures. recently expanded. Ooh, and I see pictures online sometimes of the package-free stores. Is it kind of like that? Is everything package-free? 
Um, I think a lot of the co-ops from the 70s, which getting back to what Michael was talking about, were like that, you know, the bulk buys, mm-hmm. um, because there was a big resurgence of co-ops in the 70s, which is why there is a negative connotation, because people think, oh, those weird hippie stores. Right. <laughs> but a lot of the newer modern ones definitely have bulk sections, but they don't really look like refill stores. They look like grocery stores. Yeah. Um, I feel like the refill idea is probably going to be a little different now that COVID has change the world as well. Yeah, I hope it will come back. But um, when we've been talking to our consultants, they have said, you know, everyone likes bulk, everyone asks for bulk. Mm -hmm. But when you put it up there, not enough people buy from the bulk aisle. So that's why even co-ops don't have huge bulk sections. Interesting. They have more than other grocery stores. Mm -hmm. But People like the convenience of packaging, which is obviously something we're going to have to work on because we all know the problems with that. I I think that's an education uh, issue. It's something to address to the, like actively. All of this, like what we've learned is you have to actively say, here's why you want to do this and here's how to do it. Otherwise, people just have this kind of vague idea of what they want. Mm -hmm. And they don't even know that that was an option. Oh, I could shop like that. I could get rid of plastic. And, you know, first for the first conversation like we're having is why you want to get rid of plastic and then how you do it in a daily life. And I think that uh, if as a co-op, you really work on an education, uh, uh, you know, uh, program. I I saw that on the website. That was part of it, that there's. Um, a part of it that is educational for people to learn, right? Right. So there's a whole side. It's going to be food education. And part of that is packaging and how food gets to you and local food, the benefits of local food. Most co-ops have an an educational arm and, you know, their own like community kitchen where people can come in and use it. Um, But an interesting interesting thing about co-ops is that they're owned by the people who shop there. They're owned by the members. Right. So if the members decide we want no packaging and, you know, majority of the members makes that the mission and petitions the board, then that's what the co-op's going to do because the members control the company. Right. That's Very great. Cool. I mean, that's a, uh, it's nice that you can have a voice. You know, I go into a grocery store and actually I, I, I go into very few because I walk in and there's nothing I can eat. I'm not going to eat anything down. I'm not going to eat 99% of what's in the grocery store. Yeah. And uh, I just, it just makes me, makes me anxious that there's 500 kinds of sugar-coated corn cereals. <laughs> I just, uh, I just can't even believe. And they're all wrapped in plastic and cardboard and branded and advertised. Yeah. And uh, that just drives me nuts. Uh, so... Uh, have you looked at um, just just you know this has came to my head came to my head. Um, there's there's a, is it Move? Is that the online grocery store? Have you seen them? Move? Uh, Move. No, I've seen um, several, but not any by that name. I think it was Move. Let me. Uh, I'll search for it. Anyway, what the thing I liked about them it was very uh, you know I, I don't necessarily want my groceries shipped from across the country. This is why I'm interested in a food co-op. I'd rather have local foods. Mm-hmm. Uh, and support local farmers, um, and you not, not do have that. things driven across. I do, but you know, it's it's it's. I do that because I have the privilege and the means to do it, and go out mm-hmm. and search it. Where a lot of right. people just want to run in a store and get something. And I, mm-hmm. I, so I would like to be. What I do isn't sustainable. I don't eat sustainably. I I eat 
uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm losing my train of thought. I, uh, yeah, I, uh, everybody can't do it the way I do it. I buy my food, my vegetables from a CSA. I shop at turnip truck and I pay extra for anything else as, as I go there. And then I, you know, order anything I can through farmer's markets. Uh, but everybody doesn't pick and choose like that. But I, I do have to say, I don't want to get off topic too much, but the reason I started shopping differently is uh, in California, the grocery, Ralph's grocery store went on strike. And I lived literally, it wasn't even a half a block away from a Ralph's. I could put something on the skillet and run over and get an ingredient and come back. And when they went on strike, and my wife's an actress and she's in the union, I had a union job at Safeway in, in, uh, when I was in high school in the 80s in Texas. And so I, I'm like, I'm not gonna cross the picket line, I'm not going. And I started shopping at Trader Joe's and Farmer's Markets and I just never went back. Once I got into those habits, mm, I never went back yeah. to grocery stores, to right. typical grocery stores. Um, but back to the move thing, what I thought was interesting with their uh, data-driven approach is they went in and analyzed all the data and realized that there are really only 500 things that people buy from grocery stores. Oh. And that they made the list of those 500 things, then sought out like Trader Joe's does to you know, make deals with farmers to and, and producers to produce just for them the one branded thing. Hmm. And I thought that's pretty interesting because grocery stores carry, what is it, like 60,000 or more items, and you really only need 500. That tells you the branding yeah. oh, weirdness yeah. there. Yeah, That's really interesting. Yeah. So you hadn't seen any of those uh, data reports? No. Okay. I have not. I uh, didn't mean to take all your time <laughs> talking about telling you what I know. We're here to find out what you know. <laughs> yeah, well, personally, uh, we've struggled. We've talked a lot about this, Ellery, about um, our struggle with plastic and our struggle with being zero waste and sustainability in general in the grocery stores and how because there's so many choices and because we don't have a lot of options, being convenience is a huge factor and we're used to convenience, people aren't going to avoid packaged products or ask for anything different because they can just go into these stores and, and have everything given to them, right? And then all these different I all these different brands are, I guess, good in, in our eyes. We're, we're thinking, oh, we have so many choices in that way, but really how many do we need? It's like we only need 500 <laughs> or less probably. And so this co-op idea, I saw on the website that you guys were raising money um, from and that you also got a seed grant from the food co-op initiative and is that just tennessee that that has the food co-op initiative is that just nashville or um no so the food cooperative cooperative initiative is the association i mentioned earlier it is funded through the usda because the usda at least a part of it does recognize the need to support local food and That's local good. economy. Um, and so it is a group of folks that have worked in food cooperatives and their whole mission is to help small startup food cooperatives like the Nashville Food Cooperative start up all across the country. Oh, cool. And so they give, you apply for a seed grant and that is, you know, $10,000, but then it comes with free consulting pretty much Ooh. as much as you need it until the USDA money runs out, which nowadays might not last as long as we thought it used to. Right. Um, but um, it's been a tremendous resource. And I mean, anyone who's interested in food co-ops could just call them up or get on their website. And I mean, that's their job is to help promote food cooperatives. And so that's where a lot of my knowledge base has come from. 
um, mm-hmm. meeting with them and meeting with other startup co-ops that are also working with them. Would it be nice. better to fund this just one and, and really put all the money and effort into one or better for multiple co-ops around the city? Um, well, my grand vision would be for multiple co-ops across the city. Yeah. Um, but you really need to start with one. Okay. I mean, we can't really get anywhere until we have one store that's up and running and people can see, oh yeah, that's what it is. Cause like I said before, Nashville doesn't know what co-ops are. Right. They've never, people who grew up here have never really experienced one. I think there was a small one in Hillsborough village in the seventies, but only a small community of people even heard of that one. It's like mm-hmm. Nashville at large, um, needs to see one functioning and working and saying, oh, Hey, this is great. That's actually how I became so in love with the idea. My tiny town of 2000 people in Vermont had a small food Mm co-op. And the first year I just, you know, drove 20 minutes to the grocery store. Um, not really thinking anything of it, but you know, as I got more ingrained into the community, I would just pop into the market. And then I started learning what they were about. And one thing that really sort of hit home for me is when I would just, you know, be shopping for tomatoes, they would have two baskets. One basket would say conventional Mexico, like Euroma tomato. Then the next basket would say Luna Blue Farms, South Royalton, Vermont, which is the town I was in. It's like, right. And it's like maybe 15, 20 cents more. So one day I just bought the more expensive one. Like, oh, right. hey, that's right around the right, right around the door. Supporting my and, hometown. Yeah. And I mean, that's part of the educational factor. It was labeled, you know, these are biodynamically raised. I had to Google what that meant, but it was all labeled (laughs) and it just tasted so much better. So that was the beginning of my food education, just walking into the co-op and seeing the difference right in front of my eyes and tasting the difference. Hey, Zero Waste Squad. We're going to take a minute and run an ad for a company that we love, Compost Nashville. Composting doesn't have to be complicated, messy, or even time consuming. Compost Nashville can set you up with a lidded bucket to store all of your food scraps and compostable materials that gets picked up once a week from your doorstep. It's that easy. By signing up, you're not only diverting 30% of trash that would normally go into the landfill, but you're also getting finished compost to use in your own yard twice a year. Not into gardening? No problem. Compost Nashville lets you donate your finished compost to a local farm or community garden. Last year, your fellow Nashvillians used this service to divert 730 tons from the landfill. This 1.5 million pounds of compost removed over 1,400 metric tons of greenhouse gas emissions from the air. That's like taking 3,687 cars off the road. Use the code TRASHTALK for 50% off your first month when you sign up at compostnashville.org. So, so that's one of the things... That's one of the things I think people don't realize about co-ops is it is local food. So your 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 focus is on making deals with farms and supporting community farmers. Uh, but you also would probably be you know there are national groups where you join together to get brand name items or things shipped from other countries and all of that, right? That's so yes. it's both. It is both. Um, so our mission and the mission of most co-ops is to supply local as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, people need toilet paper. People need paper towels. They want their frosted mini wheats or their Cheerios. That no, I know, gross. <laughs> Sorry, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Even the natural organic kind, yeah, most I know. that's not really being made in that town. So there are trade associations. 
Um, I've had a lot of restaurants get their food from Cisco. Um, co-ops have their own. It's the, I'm forgetting the initials, but it's the co-op association. Um, and so you petition to join and it's also a cooperative. So everyone who joins, you know, has a financial stake in the success of that group. And it supplies like equal exchange coffees. Pretty much every co-op you walk into does equal exchange coffee, plus some local roasters as well, of course, because it's a co-op. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they have deals with equal exchange, you know, fair trade chocolates, paper towels, seventh generation. Um, I mean, they, cool. they provide that. So that's the difference. Like people, it's not a farmer's market because that's, no. that's, that's set up as farmer's markets where things are only local and, and uh, seasonal. This has everything like a grocery store. Yes, that's pretty. Even the most of the new ones that are in a town bigger than the two thousand um, person town mm-hmm. are full size grocery stores. That market was small, but you know it had amazing breakfast sandwiches every morning. It had a little hot bar. It had lunch. Love that. It had everything you needed. Nice. And so, how has the reception been so far here? If people like. Uh, Has it been hard to educate people or or are there a lot of uh, pent up need and want in the in the community? Education is the biggest challenge right now, though. It's been interesting because I've been doing this for a few years now There, you know, we have a lot of transplants coming in and a lot of people reach out to us because they came from a city with a co-op. And so they really recognize the benefit of it and they want it. Um, So we sort of have two things like the Nashvillians. Once I explain it to them, they like the idea, but they've just never seen it in action. So there Mm -hmm. is a big education barrier there. Um, and then, you know, some people, you know, get it immediately. Some people like, Oh, well, I want to go like see one first because it sounds a little different. Um, and then you have all these people moving in that came from places with co-ops and Googled the co-op like, all right, well, where's the co-op in Nashville? I got to go get my groceries and then are shocked to find that there isn't one. And where are you thinking about putting one? What area? Is there, um, a, is there a range of areas? Or? There is not a specific neighborhood yet. Um, this, we have taken the advice of the Food Cooperative Initiative. They told us not to commit to a specific neighborhood. Nashville's not big enough to be able to do that at this stage. Um, just because we want to be open and honest with our members. We don't know exactly where we're going to end up. It depends on... Um, what's available that's big enough. You need, you know, truck access. It's, you can't just Mm -hmm. pick any building in town with the for sale sign on it. Um, I mean, you have to be able to afford it too. I don't know how much money we'll have once we're ready to sign a lease and which neighborhoods we can afford that much square footage because grocery stores are big and they're expensive. You have refrigeration, you have trucking. Um, so we're not sure yet, but we have committed to being somewhere centrally located that's easily accessible, whether it's near um, interstate or on a bus line. Mm-hmm. So we don't know exactly where that will be yet, but somewhere easy to get to as much as possible with national traffic. Makes sense. <laughs> nice. Then what are the next steps on your website again it said that you guys had raised some money raised some money and got the funds from uh the grant and you're still are you still waiting for more members to join in order to do that to do the next step which is location or yes so the way it works is there are sort of different stages of starting a food co-op and there are other ways to do this but right now we're just following the fci model that they have seen be the most successful 
Um, of course, there are other ways, like I said, if a space opens up immediately and money comes in, there's an investor and we can do it, mm -hmm. then yeah, let's great, let's break ground tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, you know, like I said, grocery stores are expensive. You have to raise awareness, build the community, and then you have to get a loan, of course. And there are specific cooperative banks that understand the co-op structure and are willing to loan to cooperatives. Um, but the way they judge, of course, the standard financials and business plan, but they also look at how many members you have and, you, and they compare that to the demographics of your city. Because the thing about co-ops is they're different and people are committed to them. Like we've seen when people moving in, like, all right, well, where's the co-op? Um, and you need that community behind the co-op for it to be successful. Yeah. So the way the co-op banks judge whether to give money is, all right, well, what are their ownership numbers in relation to their city? Is the community ready for a co-op? And they do that by based on the initial owners who join before we have a location. Gotcha. Is, is, would there be a way to like open small or like have a small store that gets people to understand what it's about? Right. Yeah, or... we are actually exploring that. We're talking about that. We did do an initial market study um, back a couple years ago, just to make sure it would be worth putting all this effort into. We didn't want to do it if the market study said, no, Nashville's not ready for a co-op. But it did come back very positive. Like you could put it pretty much anywhere in the city and it would be successful, Heck which was yeah. great news. <laughs> um, but it did recommend a large store. It's like, you know, Nashville's big, people want the convenience. Um, so you should Definitely. do that. Um, yeah. So okay. I mean, we have considered also opening smaller. Um, we would of course need, a. it would take a little less capital, a little more membership initially. Um, so we're open to different possibilities, but for now we're just raising awareness and getting as many members as possible. I'd, I'd vote for the Piggly Wiggly on Gallatin. <laughs> Everyone has an idea. Like you need to put it here. That's near me. That's near <laughs> yes. us, and it's empty, and it's a nice size. Actually, you know what I would like to see from uh, from something like this is somebody, and I've talked about this with uh, Megan from the Goodfield. Do you know the Goodfield? Yes, yes. Yeah, I, you know, this also someone that maybe should, could be part of a co-op and have, you know, her, her thing going on in there. But one of the things I'd love to see is somebody go in and buy all of the closed down, uh, was it the dollar, Not it wasn't the Dollar Generals, it's the other one, the family dollar. Like, they were all those empty family dollars yeah. all over Tennessee. Like somebody take that and just make it a chain of co-ops with say, package yeah, free store and everything. Yeah, It'd be a perfect it, size. It's a yeah. good size for a co-op. Yeah, and they have, like, I'm sure they had to have trucking in and out and all the rest of that because of the way mm -hmm. they did business before, selling good all ideas. their 99-cent doodads. Right. Good ideas. <laughs> yeah. I like it. A, so, That's it. Let's get our checkbooks out and make this happen. I know, right? So how do we support the movement? How do we spread this awareness? And I know, you know, just by talking about it and putting it out as a podcast, we'll hopefully get more people aware yes. that way. Yes, thank you so much. Um, yeah, so that's what we're really focusing on right now, spreading awareness. Um, if you are willing to commit and become a member, um, you can sign up on our website. It is $250 per household, but it is a member fee, but you're essentially buying a share. So you only pay that once. It's mm -hmm. not annual. Once you pay that, you have a vote. We have an annual meeting, generally March or February every year, cool. um, where we check in with our owners. And of course you can check in with us anytime. Um, we have board meetings and you know constant things going on. Um, so it's $250 a share, but that is per household. 
and you can also, make installments. You can pay it off. Yes, in payments. We have a we have a payment plan. So fifty dollars a month um, will get you set up. And then we're also taking volunteers. I mean, we're completely volunteer board right now. So even if you can't commit to paying right now, but you believe in the mission, or if you want to, if you can pay and you still believe in the mission so much, you want to help. Um, there, we have committees and volunteer efforts as well, just to spread awesome. the word. Nice. That's, uh, I think it would be a valuable thing to do. And I think paying, paying it off in uh, monthly installments, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that nobody's working right now, the $50 <laughs> a month wouldn't be, wouldn't really bankrupt most people. Uh, yeah, sure we are flexible. If people have specific situations, I mean, we, we can work with you, of course. Now that that reminds me of some questions I had had was thinking about and how this would work. Is there any uh, mechanism for a sliding scale for uh, different income levels? Like if you're, you know, if you were at a lower income level, is there a different uh, membership level you could join and maybe a pricing structure when you mm. buy? Is there any support built in for anything like that? Yeah, so we have been talking about that. We haven't quite figured out exactly how to do that without someone donating essentially the match because that a lot of co-ops do that, but they have people donate the match. And the reason that's an issue is that it's essentially a membership stake. And so everyone needs to be equal. Right. So we want to make sure that everyone has the exact same amount of interest and that can happen with donations. Um, so we don't have it set up in our website at the at this stage but that's something a lot of other co-ops offer and we've been wanting to offer we just need to figure out exactly how that can work so if you want to donate to other people's memberships reach out to us and we can make that happen that's, that's nice. great oh uh gleaning groups uh janine hunter works with uh was it the society of saint saint andrews, andrews? yeah so you know i bring her up every now and then because i really dig what they're doing yeah. Um, and it's, it's becoming more important to like with food rotting in the fields and no one to pick it and no, none of this, uh, middlemen like Cargill and all these pack food packagers, packagers aren't packaging stuff for restaurants and institutions now. Um, so is there a mechanism or have you thought of a mechanism to work with groups like that that could bring in a whole bunch of crops or... Yeah, so I don't know of any particular example of co-ops working with gleaning groups, but I don't see why it couldn't happen. So we, we definitely support their mission. I've known about Society of St. Andrews for a long time. So anyway, we can work with them Michael can to connect reduce you. food waste. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and connect you. And we, you know, our last, we just published today uh, an ep- episode uh, with Compost Company. And one of the things that fascinated me when I went out and visited with them was that if the top layer of produce freezes, dries, does something weird in one of those tractor trucks, they just dump the whole truck of produce when oh, wow. 90% of it is still perfectly good. It's a write-off. They, now they drive it up to compost company, leave everything, take the trailer, and go. Because the, the trailers are, you know, need to be working and making money, and they're just very... Uh, specific. Like if something goes wrong with the temperature by like a degree sometimes when they ship, they dump the whole load. Oh, wow. And so he was thinking of trying to work with uh, uh, Janine and Jeannie, I'm sorry, and uh, Hunter and, and the food gleaners to try to figure out how to get all that in a timely manner somewhere. That's what I was thinking. This is the thought process. If, you, if there's a co-op that could take that and, and resell it or even help package it up and donate it or something, that would be awesome. So yeah, definitely. I, I'm just thinking out loud as we go. Yeah, <laughs> no, one it. hope I have 
um, is to have a food hub attached to the co-op. So we need, of course, some warehouse space, but I would like to have even larger warehouse space for things such as that. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of folks come to me with ideas that the co-op can help with, but you would just need that, you know, warehouse space in the back. And that's something I would love to see the co-op be able to help with. Specifically large coolers, I think, to keep yes. the produce from rotting. That's that's one of the big issues is those big coolers. That's yes, great. definitely. Uh, I'd love to help with that. All of that. It seems like there's a ton of potential to have this where it's not this adversarial corporate grocery store, you know, throwing out a third of all of their food so that they can make sure to entice everybody in their store and that whole business model needs to be rethought and that not keeping things in stock, not buying locally, uh, the distribution. And I, I appreciate that people like you are out there trying to solve these issues. Yeah, I think people it's become, like us want to eat like that. Yeah. yeah, I think the past couple months, especially if you weren't already aware that there are major issues with our food system, you are now. And I'd like to think that, of course, the food co-op can't solve all those problems, but I'd like to think it would be a step in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, it's like our any of the zero waste stuff that we talk about and the changes and the ethics of how you deal with life. It, we, yeah. It's a rabbit hole. Once you go down it, then yeah. you start seeing, well, we can do this also. We can do that. And it does expand. And I think it grows and it and people are enlightened with what can happen. And There's I think, more to learn. That's right. There's always more to learn. Yeah. Well, cool. It was great to learn about that. And the mission, it says on your website, just to recap, the mission of the Nashville Food Co-op is to provide the city of Nashville delicious local food options by way of a year-round full-service member-owned cooperative grocery store. And some of the goals is keeping capital in the community, offering educational programs about food systems, labeling the items in the store so we know what we're buying, and then hosting in-store cooking classes that highlight local eating. I like that. I like that. And then their vision. One year round, locally owned store will provide local, seasonal, and consciously sourced products as season allows. Love it. Love that. Consciously sourced. That's yes. perfect. Because that there's, there's so many uh, choices that we make on a daily basis. And unless you dig into the research, you don't know that... The people picking your tomatoes were practically locked in trailers and and treated like slaves in Florida. Mm. You don't, you know, you, I don't want to buy those tomatoes. I Me don't either. buy any tomatoes at grocery stores. <laughs> and uh, you, now you're finding out avocados or you know the the drug cartels are taking over avocado farms. And so yeah, what is I that? Like, I would like to shop from somewhere that that you know, just like we were talking about Mega with the Goodfellas. Some people who make those uh, inquiries and figure that out so that I can go in and buy my groceries and not have to feel like, uh, you know, I've, I've made the world a worse place by my choices. I, I can feel like I've helped make the world a better place. And even if it costs a little more to do, I'm willing to do that. And it starts right yes. here in our community, right here mm -hmm. at home. Yes, there are definitely people willing to do it if we can get a store open to source it. We will right. have a store open, Ellery. We We're going to push That's for right. you. Well, thank yes. you. Thank you so much for being on our show and uh, spending time with us to explain your dream. And we are going to support you however you need it. All right. Great. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, good luck. All right. Thank you.